it was very late at night, and they knew what they were about to do could get them in a whole heap of trouble. Heap is a South Georgia word. You know what heap means? A lot of trouble. By going out at 2 o'clock in the morning, they hoped that nobody would notice. They hoped the authorities would not follow them and find out what they were about to do. They knew that some people they knew had been beaten and thrown in jail for what they were about to do. Other people, even worse, had had their own family members kidnapped because they had done this very thing. It's a terrifying thing to know that I can do this and get caught and my own family would suffer and obey the Lord or I can deny the Lord and suffer those consequences. It sounds to me like an episode out of the old 24 show with Kiefer Sutherland, Jack Bauer. Y'all remember Jack Bauer? But you know what it was? These were people in Moscow, Russia that were going out to be baptized. I was blessed to go on my first international mission trip to Moscow, Russia, right after the Iron Curtain fell. And I heard people share that testimony. It was so fresh back then, if you're old enough to remember. They didn't have Bibles. We ran out of Bibles every town we went to. They were hungry for the Word. But baptism was something that prior to that could cost them their life before the Iron Curtain fell. And this is interesting. Before they would agree to baptize anybody back then, they would ask them three questions. Middle of the night pitch black, dark, hoping nobody finds out they don't get caught. The first question is, before, when the authorities threaten to arrest you, will you deny your faith in Jesus? What if we had to answer that question in America today? Second question, when they threaten to kill you, will you deny our Lord? And the third question, perhaps the, would be the most difficult for me, when they threaten your family, will you deny your Lord? Only after answering those questions would they allow somebody to participate in Christian baptism. And even now, Christianity is illegal in many parts of the world, right? I mean, none of us were afraid of being arrested coming to church today. None of us have thought anything about authorities coming in with, you know, handcuffs and pulling us out today. Baptism, scripturally, is the first step of obedience after salvation. The first step of obedience after salvation. The rain reminds me of the old joke, you know, Baptists are big on baptism and going under the water, but let us sprinkle a little bit. They won't come to church. So, you know, thank the Lord you didn't do that. You didn't use that as an excuse to stay home today. But baptism is going public with your faith. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. That's the statement that baptism is. We're in our, what is this, our fourth week in our building block series. Building blocks of our faith. Things that we got to get right if we're going to live the victorious Christian life. We started, the first message was on the fact that the Bible is in fact the living, breathing, authoritative word of God. And if we get that building block wrong, everything else is going to come crumbling after that. Then we talked, the next one I believe we talked about um, assurance of salvation. How do you know you're saved? How do you know you're just not a good person. Miss Marianne shared a wonderful testimony last Wednesday night in our Wednesday night Bible study. Miss Marianne grew up in Germany and went to the state church there. Was it Lutheran? Is that the state church there? And she said she loved God. She loved going to church. She wanted to please the Lord. But when she came to America, she realized something was missing. She, you, you were sprinkled, I think, as a baby or a little girl. 
But once she came to America, she started hearing about being born again and having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so although she had been sprinkled as a child, you know, we say if you weren't saved, you just got wet. You did nothing trans- changed in your life because salvation is transformation. If anybody's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're so thankful God sent you to America and you came to know the Lord. That makes you my sister in the Lord. Um, going, going public with your faith is a key part of building a successful Christian life. Just before Jesus ascended back to heaven, they crucified, buried, rose again. Just before he ascended to go back to heaven, he wanted to put in a nutshell, what's the most important thing I can share with them? You know, if I thought I had some terminal disease and I might not be here next week, I probably wouldn't be talking about the weather. I wouldn't be talking about the Braves or the Bulldogs. I don't want to put in it. What's the most important message I can share with you? And by the way, speaking of that, we prayed for a dear lady who's dear to many of us, Miss Betty Brothers, in Wednesday night, and she went home to be with the Lord this week. I missed that whole funeral. I just didn't even know she had passed away. And then just this morning, Miss Edith told us that Brother Doyle Conley, some of you know Brother Doyle. He's a retired pastor in this area. His sweet wife, Miss Kathy, his bride of 61 years, went home to be with the Lord. I was messaging with Brother Doyle earlier. His faith is strong, but he said, pray for me, Mike, 61 years, and now I'm by myself. So because of the hope we have, have in Jesus. Although he's brokenhearted, he knows he'll see her again. But Jesus said, in a nutshell, here's the most important thing I can share with you. We like to refer to this passage as the Great Commission. If you have your copy of Scripture, you can open to Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. When we have a tournament out here on on Sundays, oftentimes the internet's terrible. So if you're relying on your phone or your laptop to look up scripture. It may not work today, but if you're physically able, let's stand and honor the reading of God's word. The Great Commission, Matthew 28 and verse 19. Let me back up in verse 18. I should have put verse 18 there. Jesus said, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Because Jesus has all authority, we need to pay attention to what he says. So therefore, verse 19, Jesus came and told his disciples, oh, I did put it in there. I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. I didn't think I had it in there. Therefore, on that premise, go and make disciples of all the nations. It's why we go to Russia. It's why I've been to Nicaragua. It's why we've been to Brazil. All the nations. And then what's the next word? baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then teach these new disciples to obey all the commands, those building blocks. Teach them to build on their faith I've given you. And be sure of this, Jesus said, not only does he have all authority, but he says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's just as true and applicable for Mike Dura in 2023 as it was when Jesus spoke these words to those disciples who were gathered there that day. God, may our main mission at Transformation Church always be your great commission, to share the good news of the gospel with this East Hall community and the nations from the East Hall Community Center and help them grow in their most holy faith. May you be honored today. Lord, wherever we are in our spiritual journey with you today, I pray you'll take us to the next level. If there's anyone that's unsure of their relationship with you, I pray today, God, they would have that divine encounter with the sovereign God of the universe. Lord, maybe there's somebody among us today who they've been saved, but they've never been scripturally baptized. Lord, speak to their heart today about what they need to do to take that next step of obedience. And then, Lord, for all of us, 
who claim the name of Jesus. I pray you'll move us with compassion for this community and beyond that we will share your great commission, your death, your burial, your resurrection with all that we come in contact with in this coming week and beyond. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You've heard my testimony, most of you, that I didn't grow up going to church real faithfully. We went, you know, around Easter, and sometimes we'd go and, you know, go on hot, hot streaks of going to church a little more faithfully. Usually that was softball season. Uh, my mom and dad both were athletes. They both liked to play softball. And if you played church softball, you had to go to church once a week to play ball. So guess what? We went to church once a week during ball season quite faithfully, Easter and other times. But we never went on Sunday night. I'd heard about baptism because there was an expectation in that church that when you turn 12 years old, you're supposed to join the church and be baptized. Well, I got enough rebel in me. That made no sense. I thought, I'm not going to do it just because you told me. That makes no sense to me. What is it about magical about turning 12? And so I, I didn't do that. I didn't ever see any, uh, anybody baptized. I was 15 years old. I'd never seen a baptism before. I never really understood what it meant to be baptized until I gave my life to Christ. But I've been blessed to go back and preach in that same church many times since then. And I always bring that up and I talk about the importance of making absolutely sure that you're saved. So many people just went through a ritual because somebody told them to do it. Expectation from mom, dad, whatever. And there's no transformation in their life. If there's no transformation, there is no salvation. We got to make sure that our baptism is right on the right side of our salvation. Uh, Raylene's not here today. I miss Raylene. She must have I was going to call Raylene up here and ask her some questions. <laughs> Little did Marianne and Raylene know Wednesday night. They were helping me with my sermon for today. But Raylene talked about, I wasn't here, what was the 1990s when y'all had that big revival in this area? 90s, was the three or four churches came together and people, Riverbend. Now, the one, one where the Lord dealt with Raylene. A six-week revival. And Raylene said, all these people are getting saved. And she was troubled in her spirit. And she's like, God, I know I'm saved. I know I'm saved. All the other people are getting saved. It made her question. And so Raylene said she prayed, and the Lord showed her that her baptism wasn't on the right side of her salvation, right? And she testified Wednesday night that after she got her baptism right, the Lord began to bless her. The Lord gave her that peace. So baptism is not necessary for salvation, but it is the first step of obedience. One of the, you hate to call a boy sweet these days, not sweet that way, but just a kind, polite, obedient young man. His name was Josh Hager, and I was his youth pastor. He never got in trouble. I'm sure he did. I didn't know it, but just one of the best kids you'll ever meet. He graduated in the year 2004, and we were getting ready to do our big beach retreat that we did every year. Several churches came together. I'd take 300 kids down to the beach, and we'd preach and have church, and people would get saved. And Josh Hager came forward the Sunday before, and he said, just like Raylene, he said, I know I'm saved, but I got wet. I got dunked when I was a little boy, but I wasn't a Christian yet. 
I got genuinely born again as a teenager, and I need to get my baptism on the right side of my salvation. Because that young man took that big step of obedience. I'm telling you, God opened the floodgates in our church. Other people started saying, man, if, if Josh Hager needs to get some stuff right, I do. At the la- I always had to take a camp nurse. And you got that many kids out in the sun getting sunburned and away from mama. Somebody's going to be sick, and I don't have mercy to deal with that. So I just took a nurse with me to camp. Well, my nurse dropped out at the last minute, so I needed a camp nurse. So guess who else was a nurse? Josh Hager's mother was a nurse. Josh Hager's mom came to that camp. You know what happened at that camp? We're praying for teenagers to be saved. Josh Hager's mother gave her life to Jesus on that beach retreat. So you never know when you take that step of obedience, even if you say I've already been saved, by taking that step of obedience, many times God will open the floodgates and take that building block. You're building on that faith and you're going to the next level. Number one, I I just want to talk about baptism this morning. It's an important building block. Number one, why should a Christ follower be baptized? Why should we be baptized anyway? What's the big deal? A letter A, the first one is to follow the example that Jesus set for us. Jesus was the God-man, God's personal expression of himself. Jesus never sinned. Well, if he never sinned, and baptism is an outward symbol of repentance, why would the Son of God want to be baptized? I think he did that to set the example for us. Look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. Requires is a strong word there. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, Jesus came up out of the water. The heavens were opened, and and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And then a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Jesus was baptized, I believe, to give an example to me and to you. This is a big deal. We need to be obedient and come public with our faith. An important thing about that passage right there, a little bit off subject, but another important doctrine of our faith is the doctrine of the Trinity. God is one, but he's three. I can't wrap my human brain quite around that. But we saw all three persons of the Trinity there. It was God the Son following through in baptism. God the Father spoke from heaven. And God the Holy Spirit descended down on him like a dove. So we see all three persons of the Trinity there. So we We're baptized to follow Jesus' example. Letter B is to obey Jesus' command. I I just read the previous passage. God used the word required there. In the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations and then to baptize them. So it must be a big deal when God gave us the most important theology in a nutshell before he ascended. He says this is the command. It's the first step of obedience after baptism, after salvation. Do I have to be baptized to go to heaven, yes or no? No. Can you think of a biblical example of somebody who went to heaven and they weren't baptized? We just sang about it in one of the songs earlier, The Thief on the Cross. He, baptism is a big deal, but God put that in there to let us know. You know, we can repent at any moment of our life or in the final moments of our lives. And you know, I, I hold on to that when you know somebody and love somebody that's not a Christian. 
and they die maybe in an accident or unexpected, I think, oh, God, I pray in those final moments, you showed us the thief on the cross did that. I pray that that person did that. We don't really know what somebody does in the privacy of their own heart. But the Bible teaches us you don't have to be baptized to be saved, but clearly you got to be baptized to be obedient. And let us see, we're baptized to identify with Jesus. Jesus was baptized we're to be baptized. It's a picture, 1 Corinthians 15, 4. Jesus was buried, and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scriptures say. When I was baptized as a 15-year-old young man, I identified with Jesus in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. The other beautiful picture of baptism, letter D, is to, present, to represent a new beginning. It's to represent a new beginning. The book of Romans puts it this way in Romans 6, 4. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. I always tell people there's nothing magical about that water, but it's symbolic of our sins being washed away. It's symbolic of our sins being washed away. And some of you are going, no, wait a minute. We're a church plant. We pack up all our stuff's in a trailer, and I ain't seen a baptistry yet. Now, some of you might have already thought that. Well, we're blessed to live in the county of many lakes. We baptized in Lake Lanier several times. I baptized in the eastern shore of Virginia before. I baptized in the ocean every summer at Beach Retreat. So we can, we can have baptism here. We know people with swimming pools, and eventually, y'all got a pool? There's our baptism place right there. Thanks for volunteering, Randy. Thanks for volunteering there. So whenever it's time, when the Lord blesses us, that's we're going to go and we're going to follow the Lord. And as, as the Lord blesses and grows, maybe we'll be able to buy a portable baptistry one day. But it represents a new beginning. We're not baptized to be saved. I'm baptized because I am saved. Because I'm identifying with the Lord. Uh, the next reason we ought to be baptized is to be a witness to others. To be a witness to others. You know, I was youth pastor at a church that sat 2,200 people in the building. So for a young person coming to be baptized, they're thinking, all these people out there looking at me. And I would always talk with them and pray with them and go, look, you look at me. You're, you're, you're not here for all them. You're here primarily for the Lord. But I pray in your obedience and your reminder of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, you're sharing your testimony. You're letting people know you've been born again. You've been washed in the blood that we sang about. So it's to be a witness to others. Check out this video right here. That's what baptism is. We can all go home now. You just read about it, right? No, it's a beautiful picture of what the Lord has done for us. I'll never forget. You probably heard me share this story, but you know, there are things in life you can just never forget. We're on that beach retreat, and we were in Cocoa Beach, Florida, near where they do the rocket ships. And we always do a baptism service at the end of youth camp in, in the Atlantic Ocean. Well, we were in the midst of a tropical storm, no exaggeration. It was a legit tropical storm. We always baptized on Thursday, the last day for we went home on Friday. And kids are disappointed. We're not going to get to baptize. We're watching the radar, and it looks like there's no way. We had lunch. And I, it was either at 1 or 2 o'clock. At that precise moment, if you looked at the radar for Cocoa Beach, Florida, it was like a little pinhead over right where we were with that tropical storm all around us were able to go out and baptize took three of us to do it with the waves crashing all over the place those kids will never forget that and i'll never forget that it was important to them because they had just given their lives to christ they wanted people to know they're not ashamed of the gospel and it was always a witness to other people anytime we did that people would come and gather in fact i just looked at the facebook page of the church that i served and they just had their beach retreat baptized in the ocean and and Trey Brinson 
who was at Eagles Landing First Baptist Church south of Atlanta. They've invested heavily in our church plant here, helped us financially. Trey preached that beach retreat, and I, and I watched the video of kids being baptized, and a lady, I guess she looked up the church online, and she said, hey, my family was on vacation, and I saw that from my balcony. She talked about how much that blessed her. It's a, it's a public witness to other people. Uh, number, letter F, to publicly profess our allegiance to Christ. Why are we baptized? To publicly profess our allegiance to Christ. Now, you know, in, in the church today, we usually do what we call an invitation. You know, at the close of the service, Pastor Matt will come up and we'll sing a song, and it's time for you to reflect and let the Lord speak to your heart. Or if you want to come and pray, you come and pray. You know, we don't have our stage and altar, but hey, you pray wherever you want to pray. That's what the invitation is. And many times when I got saved, that's when I, I walked down the aisle and told the preacher, I want to get saved. But about 100 years ago, we didn't have that in churches. You know what your, your, um, your invitation was when you got baptized? That was when you made your public profession of faith at your baptism. So the invitation is something relatively new. We'll keep doing it. I think you use every available means the Lord has given you. Letter G, why should we be baptized? It illustrates Jesus' burial and resurrection. What is the gospel in a nutshell? Christ died for our sins. He was buried, and he rose again on the third day. I always joke with kids, Jesus in the grave three days. I'm only going to hold you down until I see three bubbles, then I'll pull you up. No, I just, you, know, you, got, you got to joke with them. They're so nervous when that's happening. But we identify. That's what 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried and raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scriptures said. So we want to identify. I'm saying, I believe Jesus did that for me. I want to identify with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. The next th reason we're baptized is to seal a commitment. To seal a commitment like a wedding ring. My wife and I will celebrate our 35th wedding anniversary a week from today. 30, can you believe she's put up with me for 35 years? She deserves something extra special for that. If I had put on a, this is not the original wedding ring. You know why I don't wear it? Because I don't gain too much weight. I like not to get it on my finger. So now I like these, you know, synthetic ones you can take off and on. But if I put this on prior to June the 18th, 1988, what would that make me? Just a dude with a piece of jewelry on. Didn't make me married. But I didn't put it on until June the 18th, 1988, after that preacher said, you can kiss your bride, and we exchanged rings. This identifies me. It marks me as a man who's committed my life to somebody that I want to spend the rest of my life with. It doesn't make me married. It's an outward symbol of the inward commitment that I made in my heart before God to Julie Whittison, who is now Julie Dura. And that's what baptism is. It's like the class of 2023 we recognize before our college students, if you're visiting half our churches college students and they're gone we recognize the class of 2023 they got that piece of paper that piece of paper doesn't just make them a graduate it's all that hard work but that piece of paper symbolizes that hard work or for my daughter who last Saturday took her NCLEX her nursing school exam now she's got that certificate she's officially a registered nurse RN it was all the hard work that made her that way but that's the outward symbol that hey this girl has passed the test and we think she can practice medicine on, on little babies so baptism doesn't save you but it identifies you as being saved and we just sang about the thief on the cross Luke 23 verse 40. The other criminal protested, don't you fear God? One of them was, you know, cussing and blaspheming. The other criminal said, don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? These are the two thieves on either side of Jesus at the crucifixion. We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man, the man in the middle, hadn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. 
And Jesus said, all right, get down off this cross. You got to go get baptized. You got to go through 12 happy hops to be an effective Christian. No, he didn't say any of that, did he? He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. The beautiful grace of God. You say, well, that's not fair. That guy was a thief and a blasphemer his whole life. Maybe you got saved when you were five or six years old, been living for Jesus. It's the beautiful thing about salvation. It's not fair. It's grace. None of us deserve it. Nobody, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's the gift of God, not of works. Otherwise, we'd be tempted to brag about what we did. So we've looked at why we ought to be baptized. Number two, how should we be, how should we be baptized? That's hard to say. How should we be baptized? If you study the scriptures, every baptism in the Bible was by immersion. What does that mean? To go under the water. Every baptism in the New Testament is by immersion. The Bible is to be our example. Now you say, now preacher, you think if somebody got sprinkled, they're not saved? That's not what I said at all. Because baptism doesn't save you. But if I want to be obedient, I want to follow the scriptural example. Remember Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8 verse 38? You know, the eunuch's reading from the scrolls. Philip says, hey, let me explain that to you. They're riding along. And then the eunuch said, hey... There's some water. Why can't I get baptized right now? He ordered the carriage to stop. They went down into the water. He didn't get a Coca-Cola cup and sprinkle on his head. They went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Then when they came up out of the water, if you got to come up out of the water, that means you went down in the water. Well, that's the first thing. Every baptism in the New Testament was by immersion. Letter B, the word baptizo. Now, you know the Bible wasn't written in English, right? Wasn't even written in King James English either. I'll talk to you about that if you want me to. But it wasn't written that way. The Bible was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. So if I want to get to the real, real meaning, i got to go back to the Greek. When they were translating the Scripture to English, there wasn't an English word for baptizo. Baptizo is the Greek word. So the translator said, I don't know, let's just call it baptism because it sounds like baptizo. It literally means to immerse, to go under. So I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill, but Scripture is very clear because also a sprinkling doesn't symbolize the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Letter C, Jesus was baptized this way. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, he was under the water and came up. Letter D, going under and being raised up out of the water best symbolizes a burial and resurrection. Remember, it's an outward symbol of an inward commitment. You don't get that by being sprinkled. Number three, who should be baptized? Who ought to be baptized? Every person who has repented has turned from our sins and been adopted into God's family. Everybody. And it's after salvation. You don't put the wedding ring on before the wedding. It's after salvation. That's why when Raylene was troubled in her spirit and the Lord showed her what she needed to do, God began to pour out his blessings on her in new ways. That's why when Miss Mary and who from a little girl loved going to church, from a little girl she loved God, she'd been sprinkled, but not until she understood what it meant to be born again and to be scripturally baptized did God start to pour out his blessings on Miss Marianne so it's important to get our baptism on the right side of our salvation and number four when should a person be baptized when should a person be baptized well what did the scripture say in Acts 8 34 the eunuch asked Philip tell me was the prophet talking about himself or someone else he was reading Isaiah so beginning with this same scripture Philip told him the good news about Jesus as they rode along they came to some water and the eunuch said look There's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop and then went down into the water and Philip baptized him. It was an immediate thing. 
Now I understand. We want to know that somebody understands, right? Both of my children professed the Lord at a very early age. They grew up in a preacher's home. They were in church nine months before they were ever born. You know, but I wanted to make sure. I didn't want to rush my kids' baptism. I put them through a little book on a child's level that we have. I think we have those available here also. You know, how does how does a child understand their faith? And I made them go through that. But both of them were impatient. They're like, Daddy, I've been saved. I need to be baptized. I need to do this. And so once they went through the book, you know, we did that. And, and the rest of the story is later on, as they got a little bit older, both of my children did what Raylene did and came back and said, you know, I'm not sure I understood it, even though I took them through the book. And they said, I want to know that I know that I know. And so then my son, he waited until we moved into the new 2200-seat church. He, wanted to be, he was the first one baptized in the new Second Baptist Church building. So I said, son... I believe I saw a change in you when you were a little boy. He wouldn't pray out loud. And I'm like, God, as a daddy, let me have some assurance that my child understood. John Michael started to pray out loud. So for this daddy, God gave me peace. I said, son, when you get to heaven, God may say you were saved when you were a little boy. Or he might say it was when you were 11 or 12 years old. I don't care when it was as long as you know. And he made sure he got his baptism on the right side of his salvation. So our conclusion, have you been baptized after your salvation? Have you been baptized after your salvation? I remember seeing Miss Alice baptized it over at Airline uh, not too many years ago. As an adult, you're never too old to do what's right. It's never wrong to do what's right. I didn't mean to imply that you were old, but most people who come to Christ do so by the time they're 13 years old. That's what statistics tell us. So it, that's why we have to have children's ministry. That's why we have to have student ministry. We've got to reach them while they're young. But it's super exciting when you see an adult like Miss Alice did and like Raylene did come to Christ later on. Number two, are you missing the blessings of obedience? Are you missing the blessings of obedience? Talk to Miss Marianne about that. Talk to Miss Raylene about it. They can tell you. Number three, do you need to get your baptism on the right side of your salvation? In other words, were you sprinkled or dunked before you were genuinely born again? Do you need to get that right? You've come to the right place. We'd love to help walk you through that. And, and I had no idea y'all had a pool. So we got an official baptism spot. We just need the word. Need to book it with Raylene and Randy. And we'll have us a baptism service. Maybe we'll fire up the grill and cook some hamburgers and hot dogs make a celebration out of it. But in order to be baptized, number four, are you certain that you're saved? The most important thing is salvation. The most important thing is knowing that your sins are forgiven. That's how we go to heaven. That's how the thief on the cross who just displayed his faith in Jesus got to go to heaven immediately. That is number one. That's why we talked about assurance of salvation in our, very, in our second week. Come back next week, we're going to talk about eternal security. I have dear friends. My brother-in-law, Dave, grew up this way believing you can lose your salvation. I'm going to tell you, you're looking at a guy that would lose my mind if I thought that. Because I mess up every day. I mess up all the time. Y'all be having to baptize me about every 10 minutes, okay, if I thought I could lose my salvation. The Bible is clear. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's next week. The Bible is clear. Once we are saved, Romans 8 says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's foundational to get that right. But you've got to be certain of your salvation. And then number five, you say, preacher, I know. I know I'm saved, and I've already been baptized. Why are you preaching this now? Well, we planned our preaching schedule out in advance. And so after our launch, we really thought we'd have a lot of people profess the Lord, and God hadn't let us see that happen. By faith, it's going to. So when we planned this sermon series, we thought right now we'd have a lot of people ready to be baptized. But most of you already have. Most of you have professed faith in the Lord and been baptized. So what about us? Number five, who do we know? Who do we know that needs to hear the message of salvation? 
They're out there everywhere. You don't have to shake the bushes. You don't have to go hunting for them. They're everywhere. There are prospects everywhere all around us. All we got to do is open our mouth and say something. Wear that transformation t-shirt like Pastor Matt has on, like we have back here, and let somebody ask you, what does that mean? What, what does that logo mean? You can't look at that and tell what it means. You need somebody to explain it to you. And there's your chance to share the gospel. These little invite cards, if you weren't here last week, that we now have available. There's some out there at the coffee bar in different areas that you can leave on the table for a waiter or a waitress. Thank them for their service. Don't do it if you ain't going to tip them good, all right? Don't give, don't give them a tract and no tip. Hold on to the tract if you can't tip. But tip them well. Be a good testimony. And then invite them to church. And then on the back of that is the plan of salvation in English. Uh, Brother Ron reminded me, when you got to get some in Spanish. When you live in Hall County, we need some of those translated in Spanish to give out. So that's next on our list. We all know people that need to know Jesus. More important than being baptized. Amen? Pray with me, church. Father, thank you for so great a salvation. Lord, thank you for the message Pastor Roger preached last week on the gift of faith. Lord, because you've given us the gift of faith, we can believe the evidence of your gospel. You, we can see lives that have been transformed all around us before we come to know Christ. Lord, thank you for those that were witnesses to me as a 15-year-old kid. Thank you for those who lived their lives in such a way that I didn't know what it was, but I knew whatever they had, God, I wanted some of it. Help us to live our lives that way, to make people hungry and thirsty for you. Help us to be walking, talking testimonies and billboards of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's anyone here today, anyone listening on the World Wide Web that's unsure of their relationship with you, they've never repented of their sins. They've never asked you to forgive them, to come into their life and adopt them into your family. Lord, your word says if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we can be saved. Thank you for making it so simple that even a child can understand salvation. God, I pray you'll save the soul closest to hell without you today. For the rest of us, Lord, help us to look deep in our hearts and make sure our baptism is on the right side of our salvation. If there's anybody that needs to be baptized, Lord, help them to step out and talk to us, and we'll make that happen for your glory. For the rest of us, Lord, show right now in our mind's eye. God, give us a picture of that coworker that's lost without Jesus. Put a picture in our brain right now of those in our neighborhood that don't have a relationship with you. And Lord, I think about the occasion in Scripture when Jesus went out on a high hill. And your word says he looked and he saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. God, we need a good dose of that today. Move us with compassion. Help us to see lost around us as sheep without a shepherd who need to be loved and pointed to the definition of love, Jesus, who gave his very best for our sins. Help us to obey you in this time of invitation. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.